The following podcast is presented by Secret Room Multimedia. Listening to Fair Point. I'm Nathan Kaviser. And I'm Craig Lewis. We have a pretty fucking awesome episode ahead of us. I would say it's pretty special. Everybody's in for a treat tonight. Absolutely. Um, I was trying to go the route of not saying we have a treat for you tonight. I, I thought that was just a little too cliche, but you went there. I did. Yeah. I'm t- I stick with and the uh, cliches. They're easy. I'm, of course, never shy away from calling you out on air. Always. That We're off hit. to a good start. That hit so close to home, and, and now. I've I've learned to to tune out some things you say to me, so <laughs> most of it's them, okay. Actually. I just keep on keeping on. More cliches. Yeah. Well, to uh, get along to the point today, here with us in the secret room, we've got a special guest for you. It's it seems to go on a pattern. It's been uh, unintentional, but one two three four guest, one two three four guest, one two three four. Mister Brandon Dyer is here with us. Stand up comic. How's he's, it going, fellas? He's sitting down. Hey, what's up, man? Yes. Uh, let's take a look at this clip, though. We've got a. Well, let's take a listen to this clip. We've got a clip. Uh, some of your stand-up. It's about death. Yeah. Yeah. We we shouldn't really talk too much more about it. Let's just uh, let's play the clip. Oh man, guys are fun. <laughs> I'm having kind of a tough summer though. My grandpa died um, at the beginning of the summer. And uh, we're at his wake. And everybody keeps saying how he looks like he's sleeping. It's like, I don't ever remember Grandpa sleeping in a suit and tie. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about, Aunt Grace? (laughs) Or like, everybody likes to say at a wake how good the dead person looks. Don't they look good? (laughs) Like, they're sleeping. Because anything else to say would be a really inappropriate conversation to have at somebody's wake. You know, you're like, hey, did you see Grandpa? Doesn't he look like shit? Oh my God. What the hell? I thought he was awake for a second. Somebody to be dead? That's like a 
double whammy. You know? That's why if the phone rings in the middle of the night, I always pick it up and go, somebody better have incredible news. <laughs> or, I mean, or like if, you, if it's somebody you don't like, you always say, see in hell. Which is weird. Because I think you'd be really happy to see somebody that you knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, you know, it'd be a nice way to break up that endless pain and torture. <laughs> you're like, hey, aren't you guy that cut me off in 2003? What's going on? <laughs> Ah, uh, that was fucking awesome. I love it. Oh, I man, love it. you're a, you're a funny guy. I am pretty great. Um, <laughs> and he's I, modest, uh, too. That show in particular, all those jokes were pretty much brand new. That was that yeah. was all stuff that I had never done before. and it was. Is a, uh, oh, you popped a, your cherry on those jokes? Yeah, a few of those were definitely completely virginal jokes that oh. then came on the scene and got down with it. If you're interested in seeing more of that show, is the whole thing up or is it just parts of it? Some of it's on Vimeo. I'm pretty sure that show in particular, you can get the 30 minutes that I do. Not all of it's good. Um, <laughs> you can find, If you just do a search for Brandon Dyer, 30 minutes, I'm pretty sure you can find it. Okay. And also on YouTube, if you do a search for Brandon Dyer, I'll pop up along with a bunch of crazy sketches that we did. Okay. And uh, You have a YouTube channel, right? Yep. It's Syracuse Renegades. Renegades. So... So stand up, what's the deal with that? How long have you been doing stand up? Um, stand up comedy. I started doing stand up comedy pretty much right after high school. Okay. I they didn't have a comedy club at that point in Syracuse. Wise Guys, which is kind of the comedy club that's been in Syracuse on and off, now off. They are now closed. Yeah, they've been open ver- at various times over the past 20 years. Apparently, they're supposed to be doing something new, apparently, open, right? An open I guess something new. in this, I, I'm not really sure. They might never come back. You know, it's the kind of thing where sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. Now, do you think Funny Bone in the new uh, Destiny Mall might have had something to do with them? Absolutely. Because Funny Bone, you're going to get guys that have actually been on television, and you'll actually know right. who they are. Uh, Polly Shore is going to be there soon. I want to go see p- fucking Polly I mean, Shore. Mick Foley's been there. And- Mick Foley is another one. I actually, Mick Foley was uh, the alumni day at my college. Mick Foley and I went to Cortland. I went to Cortland. You went to Cortland And he too? was there. I was. I saw him there. The, I, he was. What I, year? What? I graduated in uh, 2005. So I was there from 2001. <laughs> I was there from 2002 to 2006. Oh my God. We were in yeah. college together. Well, I mean, it's not like there, it's a 20 person campus. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Um, I'm not even into wrestling. I fucking love Mick Foley. I went to see him at the Funny Bone, and I got to meet him, and he signed my picture four times because it was a Mankind, Dude Love, Cactus Jack, Mick Foley. He signed it once for each of them. That's great. Yeah, Yeah, fucking A. He's a very gifted storyteller. He he is. Uh, For someone who has not watched wrestling since 13 years ago, that I could still get excited about going to meet this guy is is pretty impressive. Uh, he's pretty fucking awesome. It's kind of like mm-hmm. seeing Hulk Hogan if Hulk Hogan wasn't like a total disgrace. But I, I wouldn't <laughs> care. I would. I wouldn't even care about meeting Hulk Hogan. Mick <laughs> Foley's the only one I really give that much of a shit about. There's other guys I respect too that I would like. And know, most of them, those guys are wrong. dead. <laughs> like Mick Foley has survived most of the wrestlers yeah, from yeah, our time period. See, in that kind of, in, in, of course, you know, like a podcast is like a, a wheel that all kind of rounds out. All of the the greats have died, just like stand-up comics. 
most of the great stand-up comics are dead. Unfortunately, we do not have Bill Hicks. Unfortunately, we had to settle for Brandon Dyer. (laughs) 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 I pale in comparison, for sure. But so does every other stand-up comic that's ever lived. You don't, yes. Don't don't take it personal. Oh, I don't. Yeah. We we know we pale in comparison to like ninety percent of podcasts out there, so it's all good. I would say at least seventy percent. You guys are pretty. Oh, cool. he's he's, he's given us some credit there. Ah, you're too kind, <laughs> yeah. you, sir. That's true. Well, you did let me sleep here for a week. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Did you ever clean up that blood? I did not. I didn't clean up anything. <laughs> I did go in a corner. It's up to you to find <laughs> out which one. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that smell is. Yeah. Well, it's I. Well, it's probably me. <laughs> what you're smelling is probably me. But anyway. So, okay, we should probably get back to the point. We got very steered away when uh, when we found out we went to college together. Um, so did you, were you doing stand-up at Cortland? I, I mean, I know they got Dave Coulier one year. <laughs> who did date? He dated Atlantis Morissette. Who did date Michael Atlantis too. Morissette. We just and... can't keep them two off this podcast. <laughs> she, she totally burned him with, uh, was it You Ought to Know? Was that, Absolutely. Was that the song she burned him with? She burned us all. <laughs> yeah. That was actually written about Jay Muse. If you watch, uh, was no, everything it was, it was written about, about Dave Coulier, but there's actually this whole uh, this skit with Jane Silent Bob where Jay talks about how he had dated Alanis <laughs> Morissette once. She was his girlfriend from Canada, you know, the John Hughes reference. And uh, she, but they made him break up with her. The record label like paid him and forced him to break up with her so that it would help her career. And uh, she always blamed him. And so she wrote that song about it. It certainly did help her career. I think I think that whole album was like my summer 1997. That album's one of my favorite <laughs> albums. It's definitely going to be on the top list, however big that list is. I notice how whenever I we play. I'll we, edit it in later. Yeah, down. it'll definitely be on the top 50 <laughs> list. <laughs> no, no, seriously though, did you do stand up in Cortland? I, <laughs> Keep I didn't getting do, off. I didn't do stand up in Cortland as much as I made some really weird appearances. I was the mascot. I was the red you were the dragon? dragon. I was the dragon. Get out. I was. I so I did see him there. <laughs> oh, you probably you might have shaken my hand. I shook everybody's hand pretty much that was at those awesome. football games. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Except for there were during the pep rally, the the football team had this idea that they wanted to use the costume, so they left me in my underwear in like forty degrees. Oh my god. Oh, while they used the costume. <laughs> they came back to me later. Here's your costume back. Thanks. It's wet. <laughs> it's all wet. <laughs> it was soaking wet. Oh. But anyway. They dumped Gatorade. At least they took me out of the suit before they dumped Gatorade on it, I suppose. So, well, yeah, but then you're just getting a sticky, wet suit. Yeah, then I got to wear a Gatorade-soaked dragon suit back In to the 45 dorms. degree weather. Because, of course, you know, like as a poor student going to a public institution, I didn't have a car, so I had to walk well, even back if you... to the dorm in a oh wet... <laughs> even if you had a... A car, you would have had to park like exactly, far away from freshman, it anyway. Yeah. You, you were probably parking at the stadium. Freshmen <laughs> in Cortland have to park in Tully. Yeah, part of the problem. for real. And those of you that don't know geographic locations, that yeah, these are all <laughs> upstate New York geographical jokes. So if you don't get them, just look on Google Maps. That's what it's there for. <laughs> but yeah, so and then uh, after college, I started doing like open mics. There was, like I said, there wasn't a Syracuse club that did open mics regularly, so there was now a defunct comics cafe that I used to drive out to and do that once a week. Um, and like all stand-up comics, what you do is you just are terrible for a really long time, and you bomb, and you bomb, and right. you eat it. You have to and then pay your dues there. Right, yeah. Eventually, you know, you break through, and you figure out, set up punchline, 
and, uh, and then it starts working out for you. Now, do you think that's the big divider between people that are successful with comedy and people that aren't like those people that aren't maybe can't get past that wall of being bad and trying to overcome it? Well, I think there are people that are born to be stand-up comics, and I think there are people that really want to be stand-up comics. And the, the thing that divides them is creativity. There are creative people and there are non-creative people. Yes, we know if this. If you are a non-creative person, but like, and that's, you know, you can be as funny as you can, but if you're not creative and funny, then you're never going to be a stand-up because you can um, borrow from other things. Like you can say, oh, I know that's funny. Like kind of like Carlos Mencia is a perfect example of somebody that is uh, funny, but he isn't a creative mind. Well, didn't he used to steal a lot of jokes? Oh, absolutely. He stole from Bill Cosby famously. And it was called out by Joe Rogan. That's a there's a big YouTube. Yeah, twenty minutes. That's what I heard. I also heard that like he would go to like comedy clubs in Chicago of like amateur comedians and take their jokes and use them in his bit. Right, and because it's that's that's scummy. Oh my god, that's fucked up. You know, and and that's and that's just the nature of it. And like if you are one of the people that doesn't steal. You're not okay with it, but it doesn't really piss you off because you know you're going to write up something that's going to be better right. or you know, you're going to come up with something down the road. You know you can outdo them. Right. Versus a thief is always constantly there in fear that they're never going to come up with anything again, and that's why they're stealing. Right. So, But that's, you know, that's just the, the, you know, what really separates people that can be stand-up comics from people that cannot be stand-up comics. And there are a lot of people that do stand-up comedy that will never be stand-up comics. That they'll come and they will do show after show after show after show, but they will never get better. You know, the, the criticism of bombing doesn't actually, like, you know, impact them. Like, they will just Oh, they, they think no matter it. what, it's, it's they're doing right. good. Right. They think, well, I just have to be terrible for 20 years. And it's like, no, eventually you do get better. <laughs> you do got to step your game right. up a little bit. But there is a, you know, and th- there is a huge stable of comedians in every town in America that will never get beyond the American Legion. And that's okay. It's kind of like, uh, you know, not everybody that plays basketball on the weekends plays in the NBA. You know, mm-hmm. like the people yeah. that are right. in the NBA are going to play in the NBA. But there's also guys that there's a lot know, more incentive to be uh, right. to be an NBA player, though. Right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you think? I would think so. I would think so. At least the, the groupies are probably a lot better than comedy groupies are probably well, was, as good was, as NBA groupies. I was thinking a little more along the lines of like, uh, you know, making like ten million a year. Uh, you can make a lot of. I mean, like Louis C.K. He just made a million dollars twenty minutes ago. Just I was sitting around. Yeah, I mean, okay, but do you think the ratio of basketball players making that much to stand-up comedians making that? much? I think there's a lot more basketball players making that much for sure. That's uh, because I mean, you're talking about like your Daniel Tosh's and you know, and like your Louis C.K.'s and all those guys are like top billing right now, basically. So, and then most of the other people, you know, you see on Comedy Half Hour on Comedy Central, and it's like they're probably not making like millions of dollars. And I think that's the, really the, the main thing is just because there's a guy on television doing comedy, it doesn't mean he's good. I've seen, I've seen yeah. so many bad comedy specials. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and this is why the, the greatness of Bill Hicks is that no one ever heard of him until it was too late. Everyone, you know, everyone could appreciate how great he was. You know, it, it happened too late. Like, if we had appreciated his It's like greatness, the definition of a tragic comedy. Yeah, absolutely. And th- that's the thing. You know, right when his career was going to really take off, that's when the corporate structure of Hollywood or comedy or show businesses, wherever you want to call it, it wants to reward the Carlos Mencias mm-hmm. that are affable. It doesn't want to reward the stand-up comic like Bill Hicks that has something to say. I mean, 90% yeah, of what it, Bill Hicks... but it's Hicks... going to alienate some of their 
potential viewers. So exactly. Obviously, Bill Hicks is a huge influence of yours. Do you have any other uh, big stand-up comics that uh, were real, real big inspirations to you? Well, a lot of what, like, from Bill Hicks's class, like, Sam Kinison is one of, of course, his yes. contemporary. Um, he's not obvious. He doesn't really stand up to the test of time like Hicks does. But he's Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like, as, as of now, Sam Kinison's most notably known just for, like, screaming loud. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> oh, exactly. Ah! In, like, all the Ronnie Dangerfield movies, yeah. and, you know, like, yeah. uh, Head of the Class. Was, I forget. What, what I was the Ronnie? Was, yeah. The one where he dove into the pool off of, like, seven <laughs> diving boards. That one. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, uh, uh, Carl Lebov is another guy that's actually still alive that's oh, doing okay. comedy. He's, he's, he was, they're all, they call themselves the Texas, out, or the Houston Outlaws or Texas Outlaws or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, Bill Hicks was a part of that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And they all came from, like, it was like a small comedy theater that was just in Houston. Okay. And they let these new up and coming guys come on and gave them stage time. That's really what is missing in the modern game is we don't have these places that will let you on to work on your stuff. They want you right. to, you have to be great every time because mm-hmm. every time you're being judged like, okay, well, am I going to use this guy on Saturday? Well, he just ate it for five minutes. Maybe I'm working on a, you know, if you're working on a new bit, you're not necessarily getting laughter. You're just mining for information at that point. Okay, so, right. you know, that, like, Bill Hicks had that place that he could work on his stuff. Bill Hicks basically is everywhere. Like, comics that worked with him, like uh, Ron Schock, is a guy that is part of that class. He just recently passed away. He had cancer. Um, I he, saw that name during my research, but I didn't know who he was. Yeah, he's a, he, a really gifted stand-up comic. He's a storytelling stand-up comic. Completely just a different... Like, that's the thing. A lot of these guys that were all came from this Houston area all of their styles were so different but they were all hilarious so you know they all kind of like had this big group but not they didn't actually do all the same thing versus now like i feel like most comics are they fall into different categories like you have lewis ck comics you have dane cook comics and then you have like jeff dunham comics you know the jeff dunham comics maybe they don't use puppets right yeah they don't use puppets but maybe they have catchphrases you know like something to catch the redneck crowd right yeah exactly exactly um like other comics that are just absolutely great that are actually still alive because unfortunately most of the comics that are really my influences are dead like Mitch Hedberg, oh, love Mitch love Hedberg. Hedberg. You know, Mitch Hedberg is you know one of those guys that you know he unites people. But unfortunately, I feel like Mitch Hedberg is one of those guys that he also won't stand the test of time. He'll just be one of those voices. There was you another. Don't think so? I think that Hedberg is he. He wasn't really. He didn't really say anything. Like he had great jokes and they were great pieces of comedy. Yeah. But he wasn't making a social stance. Oh, not at all. Right. Right. It was just. It's almost like anti-comedy. You don't need to. I mean, obviously, I truly respect that. You know what I mean? But I, people like Bill Hicks or George Carlin, you know, do. Right. At the same time, it's just like it's just like music. I respect a musician that can actually say something and do something of importance with it. But I also respect a musician that just makes music that's really good to listen to. My favorite band has never once said anything of importance in any of their lyrics, but I fucking love their music. I think like the thing with Hedberg, I think it's more like um, he was so great, but he didn't have enough staying power. Like he only had really two specials that like two mm-hmm. hours that he put out there. And like, like maybe he didn't have enough time once he got popular. Right. Before. The the stuff that he did put on record was great, but it's almost like he didn't play enough games in a baseball season to get elected to the All Star game. Kind yeah. of thing. Right. I'm not a huge Louis C.K. guy. Like I think Louis I think C.K. He's cool, but... I think he's I think he's very funny, but I do see a drop off in his specials. Okay. Like that whole idea that he's putting out a special every year. 
I think he needs to retire that idea and he needs to just put out great specials instead mm-hmm. of worrying about, well, let me do an hour and then retire it. Because I feel like that's just kind of like self-serving. Like he's just saying like, oh, I'm so great. I'm going to make a special every year and right. then I'm going to retire all this because I don't, there's nothing really memorable to me about his last four specials. Like he, I mean, I, I watched them. I know I enter, was entertained when I watched them, but as far as taking something away and being like, wow, that is so funny. And like, you know, I'm remembering this Louis CK bit when I'm at the bus stop or something and I'm laughing to myself. That doesn't happen. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> of Aziz the crazy Ansari? people? Aziz Ansari, I think is hilarious. Yeah, I think he's I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of his, uh, uh, well, his delivery is just, yes, is really what say, makes his it delivery, his personality. He was one of the big reasons why I continued to watch parks and rec for a while. So do you get a lot of questions of where do you come up with your material? Where do you get your jokes? And I think that's different for everybody. I personally borrow a lot from things that really bother me, like things that are necessarily kind of painful to me, like actually. And I'll write a joke that kind of makes light of that insecurity or that. And that's really where I get my best stuff is when I'm really like looking at something that kind of like, like one of the things I'm an only child, I have zero siblings. So that was something that kind of bothers me. Like, you know, when my parents die, I'm going to be alone. I'm not going to have anybody in my family is I'm right, left. No, no family to turn to. Right. I have no family. And you know, and I'm, I'm married and I'm going to, I have a, I'm going to be having a, a little girl in November. I'm going to have two kids now. So it's not like I'm going to be alone, but it's something that definitely bothered me. So um, one of my bits is I write about only child and like how negative, the phrase only child is like the word only makes whatever you're describing sound terrible. Right. Like this is my only gold medal <laughs> <laughs> or like I only came twice. <laughs> you're like, it's like, like oh, it, that was it, an you're so night. disappointed with that. Right, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> like, and then it's almost like that's your only child. Why'd you even bother? <laughs> so it's like and that was a perfect example of you know that's something that it's like it really bothers me that i'm an only child so you know it kind of like that painful thing and i can make a joke out of it and that's when i get really like you know doing that bit right now i wrote that bit probably three years ago and i can just rattle it off because all of them are up here well it's yours right yeah you know and it's something very personal to me so that i tell it and you guys laugh it's like you know it makes the fact that I'm an only child just that much more bearable, you know. That, <laughs> yeah. And I think that a lot of comics but, but are like, oh. guys, but seriously, guys, but seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm horribly depressed right, right. now. Seriously, that's seriously, I cry myself to sleep. I'm glad seriously. that I can help you in any way. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm always here. Home, when I'm drying my eyes later, I'm gonna remember <laughs> your smile, and it's gonna make me feel better for at yep. least a moment. For at least a moment, <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll turn around and I'll be right there. I'll go, no, fuck you, you yeah, only child. Exactly, exactly. Bring you right back down. That's a fucking fantastic answer to that question. I actually, I'm wondering if it bothers you when people ask that, because it bothers me if people ask me where I come up with my ideas, with things I write, or like music or stuff, and it bothers me when I'm listening to Q&As or watching Q&As and they ask that. I'm like, what an uninspired question. Like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Where does it come from? Well, think about it. Stuff I like. Like, I think about stuff and I come up with ideas. Like, I don't know how to answer that. Think about it. You have one chance to ask a question in a Q&A, and that's what you come up with? It's it's their excuse to talk to somebody they like. Yeah, for real. I don't know what to ask him. It's like, does it matter? Are you trying to, you know, go and find the secret so you can create the same thing that he just did? It's like, what's your favorite color? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> and why? Why is that your favorite color? <laughs> 
But I th- you know what it is? I think no, 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 no. Explain to me why it's your favorite color. <laughs> right, exactly. I need to know need this. To know. Know. <laughs> Important stuff going on. <laughs> I think that's just the kind of, the people that are really creative at stand up comedy. A lot of what makes a great stand up comic go is uh, insecurity. That's what really makes a stand up comic go ahead. Because if any normal person, if they fail ninety nine percent of the time out of the shoot, they're going to quit. Like if you tried to play guitar. And you tried to play guitar for a decade, and you never got any better. You probably would get sick of the guitar, and that's kind of how stand-up comedy is. You can just be really terrible for a long time, but then suddenly it clicks. The reason I can answer that question is because I finally said, what is it about me that will make people laugh? And that's really what I came up with. I said, well, you know, I have all these insecurities that I'm really trying to deal with through stand-up comedy, so why don't I use that as an inspiration for the jokes? And as soon as I started doing that, that's when I started cooking with gas. And that's when it went from, like, you know, I'm doing two minutes barely to now I can stand on stage for 10 or 15 or 30 minutes, and and now I'm actually – owning the room because that's where all that comes from is when you're just you're almost hitting dane cook numbers there oh right yeah well you know like i think like dane cook is a perfect example of somebody that is doing comedy that is probably personal to him but not personal to 99 percent of the people in the world because you know he's like oh sharks like you know (laughs) jumping around on stage like hitting himself over the head you know that's probably very personal to him but to most people they just go what an idiot you, what is you he talking the, about? You got the twelve-year-old going. <laughs> he's jumping around. Right, funny. exactly. He's probably <laughs> he's inside. Dan Cook is a twelve-year-old boy. <laughs> really? Well, aren't we all? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I feel like I, went, I grew to seventeen. Well, then maybe Dan Cook. <laughs> you stopped at seventeen. Yeah, yeah. That was thirteen yeah, well, years ago. Was that so. like that was like a prime then, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. The minute I started feeling bad about being an only child, that's, yeah. when, all, that's when the uh, a development was arrested. Well, I was thinking that was right before you know college started, and then you realized you could just drink whenever you want because your parents aren't there. Yeah, <laughs> flip nights in Portland basically yeah. Yeah. ruined me. That's when that's when you flip a coin and you say heads or tails, and if you get it right, they give you the beer. Like what yeah. an alcoholic! Like what kind of like? What? <laughs> like yeah, what nothing Seriously. to lose. Worst case right. scenario, you're just paying for your beer. Exactly. Oh for me, god. it was greasy ass calzones open till four in the morning. Oh god, deepy dough. <laughs> I, I personally gained at least forty pounds eating deepy dough. Best food ever. <laughs> Hopefully, it's deepy dough and not double penetration. <laughs> <laughs> Because it had nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can top that. So you can't top double penetration. So uh, once you hit double penetration, it it's, it's over. It's just like Ashton Kutcher and Hitler. <laughs> That's true. Today, a young man on acid realized that all matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration, that we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. Here's Brandon with Science News. Scientists recently discovered a blue planet that is orbiting a distant star. That's a good color for a planet to be. Uh, Unfortunately. It's a nice color, but water. Right, but it is actually probably because this planet is so close to its mother star that it is so hot that the atmosphere is filled with silica, like glass. It probably rains glass. And what this planet is, yeah. So you're saying it's habitable. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so brutal. They estimate wind speeds to be 4,500 miles an hour. (laughs) 
it's they call it a hot jupiter because it's like basically the same distance from earth as is to the sun that this planet is from its host star and it's about the size of jupiter Oh, that's how we're able to see it. It's if it was a, the so size of Earth, is it a gaseous planet like yeah, Jupiter? Yeah, so exactly. I take it that star is much stronger and more powerful than our sun. So um, I don't know that actually. <laughs> well, if that it's I, the same I, distance, right? right? It might be. I mean, like I think the relative size of the star, our sun, is a small star in the scheme of things. So it's probably a much bigger one. Probably. Like what Craig's saying is because if it's able to draw something like Jupiter that close to it, right? You know? Yeah, I guess yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. it'd be that hot to where, right? It, you know. It's just raining glass. And we are physicists, so if you take anything from this episode, it's that that it's definitely... Well, I don't know about you, but we've already discussed this. I went to Cortland. I got my degree (laughs) in physicist guy stuff. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. It rains glass. Pretty badass. 4,500 mile an hour winds. The funny thing is they saw this story on the Weather Channel. Really? Yeah. So you know it's got to be true because it's like, not like it's the it History Channel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For all you guys bitching about the rain all summer. We got a heat wave, but at least it's not raining glass, <laughs> you big whining babies. Yeah, I want you to just go move out to the blue planet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Speaking of unbridled destruction, which is the best segue on the podcast yet. It better have something to do with unbridled destruction, or I swear to God, Nathan. Set pictures have started surfacing, and viral marketing as well for Gareth Edwards' Godzilla reboot. The legendary pictures. Ooh, I have coming. I have heard of this. Uh, which supposedly they showed the trailer at Comic Con last year, and uh, only like those people in that room have seen it, so it hasn't leaked yet. But uh, there's viral marketing coming now with fake news stories and stuff. I love it when movies build up to, with stuff like that. Yeah. That got me so into Prometheus, and then I was just let down. Prometheus, huh? <laughs> oh, man, that's a, that's a rocky road to start treading down if we start talking about Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're not okay. stop. We just well, talk about Alien versus Predator. If we're gonna no, 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 no. <laughs> that did not exist. You know what? Yeah, Prometheus isn't that bad, actually. <laughs> Prometheus contradicted the canon of the Alien like vs. Predator said, movies. Craig, that's too rocky a road for us to venture down in the news segment of the Bill Hicks episode. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Um, they're keeping details really tightly wrapped about the plot. That's like a big thing that the plot's being kept secret. Uh, spoiler alert, guys. It's going to be about Godzilla destroying shit. Damn know. it. You always spoil the best parts. I will say this though, I'm really I I hope that Hollywood starts churning out monster movies like they did like like zombie movies back in like the early yes. 2000s or they started doing like vampire movies more a as monster like, movie craze but would a be a monster amazing. movie craze I would love it. Hold I've on, been hold for on. Since I was a kid. Because there has been kind of a monster movie craze in B movie department. You have all those like yeah, mega and Do we really need another Cloverfield though? Yes. To answer your question, yes. I'm saying made by legendary pictures. Like the, no, okay, okay. Like, we'll let legendary I know pictures happen. I'm in this boat alone, but yes, I do want Cloverfield too. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I think the thing, with, the, the thing that made Cloverfield fail is it was just too dark. <laughs> like, I, like I felt like I was watching. You need to turn the lights I on in your house when you. Watch what, what made it fail was it. Honestly, I fucking loved it, but it completely was dependent on. It was a product of the marketing and the atmosphere that it came out in. What does this monster look like? My friend told me this movie's fucking nuts. It was it was like going to see it was this big like I didn't know anything about it, you know, and like I was really curious what the monster was going to look I like. I was let and, down by it. Yeah. Did you see it in theaters? Yes, I, mean, I did. Yeah, and also seeing it in theaters was a much different experience from seeing it on a TV because it's a very yeah. Hopefully, this Godzilla movie will be better than Cloverfield, though. I'm <laughs> well, even a fan of that. Cloverfield is is hoping yes. for it. So, 
Well, going from the big screen to the small screen, I have a little bit of news on season four of Walking Dead. We got a little bit of a interview with Robert Kirkman. You know, what can we expect and stuff like that. And of course, in Robert Kirkman fashion, he was extremely vague and left everything open and then gave you something, but then said, maybe not. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Are, um, you a, are you a Walking Dead guy at all? I, I am not. Don't oh. watch the show. Read the comic. I mean, and then if you want to watch the show, go ahead. But please don't watch the show and judge Walking Dead based on the quality of the television program. I think that's really why I've stayed away from it. You know, it's like everybody's like, oh, I love that TV show. Like, everybody loves the newsroom. No. I can't get into the newsroom. <laughs> we actually talked about we that. Did have oh, you did. discussion about it. Uh, fuck the newsroom, dude. I it's watched horrible, the- right? <laughs> yes, dude. It's terrible. Okay. I, like, I- Once you start bombing on Game of Thrones, though, that's when you have to get out. Uh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> See, now, I'm not into Game of Thrones, but, like, I can... I'm definitely... I'm waiting almost, like, for seasons to build up so I can just do, like, a whole weekend of Game of Thrones. That's really what... Like, I do that with a lot of shows. Like, oh, I yeah. Like, Mad Men. Like, I just waited for, like... You know, my DVR to be almost full, and then it's like we gotta watch this. <laughs> we gotta make a commitment here, or like you know, we gotta start deleting. Well, I mean, catch. I'm just holding out until my my need to see Allison Brie being all sexy just outweighs my disinterest in Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to you know, you were talking about the difference. You want him to read the comic book instead of watch the show. Uh, he was saying that there's going to be a lot of surprises, and comic book fans are going to be pleasantly surprised that. A lot of the closest adaptations of you know the comic to the show are going to be in this next upcoming season. Oh, really? So there's going to be a lot of that going on. Some things were even adapted directly, almost. Uh, and that actually has some say from Scott Dimple, who's the new showrunner. As you know, Greg Nicotero was backed out after last year, or was forced out okay. after last year. And Scott Gimple, did I say Dimple? Scott Gimple. He's going to be the new showrunner and he's basically been a producer and a writer for the show for the past three seasons so he's been around okay but he's also credited with the screenplay for ghost rider spirit of vengeance so yeah i didn't see that so i can't really judge the writing oh i saw it i yes. saw it i i thought he did a disservice to ghost rider in the first movie but he completely annihilated the character <laughs> like 100 percent in the second movie there's a franchise I didn't have to think twice about when yeah, I just I passed really it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, see, see, the thing you got to know about me is I'm kind of a glutton for punishment when it comes. Like, I know it's going to be bad, and I don't even enjoy it watching it. But, God, I have to see it. Same way with the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> I've seen every single one and enjoyed maybe, you know, ten minutes of the whole series. The, the, as far as before we move on from The Walking Dead, did you see the teaser that leaked? The season four teaser, The Governor's Back? No. No, oh. I didn't. Well, um, I won't spoil it. It's not what you're expecting. Go check it out. It's yeah. not wait. It's not what you're expecting. It's not at all what you're expecting. Hmm. Um, Rabbi Alfredo Baradowski uh, has apparently been arrested after three separate incidents involving him impersonating a police officer to get people that he's road raging at to pull over so he can scream at them and and like. <laughs> wait, there's yeah. a rabbi. A rabbi. Well, he's supposed to be a man of faith. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's he, passing judgment on bad drivers as a cop. Like he flashes this fake badge like out the window, and he's like, "Pull, police, pull over, 
pull over, police. And I guess like two of the people have just been like, no, you're not a cop. And just kept driving. Someone actually did pull over. Like, and he's just like screaming and honking their horn. And like people called the police on him. And he's like, oh, <laughs> you can't call the police on me. I the am the police. police. I said I was going to call the police on them. I, so I don't remember what it said. But it did he go to jail for impersonating thing. a police officer? Did they buy his little I don't know if he's shtick. in jail yet. He's probably awaiting trial. They, they tried contacting his congregation, to which they said, no comment. That's his personal life. Huh. Well, they're not going to fire him. I don't know if you can get fired if you're a rabbi. Really? I don't know. Like I, <laughs> Rabbis for life. Pretty strict on their rules. Right. But I think it, like as long as he's not, like if he was eating like, pork. if he was pulling people over and eating pork chops. <laughs> <laughs> or if he was like. This shit's delicious. Try he's, it. He's throwing <laughs> lobsters through people's windows so. right in their face. <laughs> I don't think that's okay. Dude, if this story was rabbi arrested after throwing lobsters through people's <laughs> window on the highway. Seriously. You eat the shellfish. No. Exactly. That reminds me, did you guys see this viral video that's making the rounds now of this uh this motorcyclist? I guess he had a dashboard cam and he's riding and um someone had left a little cup, like it was like a coffee cup, sitting on the bumper of their car and they're driving on the highway and he's he's riding up and he sees it sitting there. And he grabs it and like pulls up alongside their window and he's he's like, Hey and lady rolls down her window, she's like, My damn daughter All while still driving? Yeah, all while on the, on a motorcycle <laughs> on the highway, yeah. What, a, what an he's awesome gotta, guy. Well, he's got to be a good she... driver in order to be able to just, like, pull up, grab the coffee cup off the rear of her bumper. And then the rabbi <laughs> pulled up behind him. He's like, pull over! <laughs> I saw you give him that coffee. <laughs> At least you can be rest assured that when someone is riding on a motorcycle, they can't poison your coffee. <laughs> it, seems, it seems like that would be almost, like, too much multitasking. Yeah, Returning we'll a cup. I think you'd have to have a, a roofie dispenser on the side of his bike. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And you would see something like that. <laughs> Which reminds me, what if Batman was a date rapist? You would, well, you would totally have the roofie dispenser on the side of the bat cycle. You'd be pretty good at it. He probably would. <laughs> Jesus, that was random. Dark, scary. If Batman was a date rapist, we'd all be fucked. And I mean that literally. <laughs> Just the facts. William Melvin Hicks, better known as Bill Hicks, was an American stand-up comedian known for his often controversial social commentary. Born December 16, 1961, he died of pancreatic cancer in 1994 at the age of 32. That was a sad day for not just the world of comedy, but society as a whole. Me personally, I was I was 10 and I had no idea what was going on so yeah, i was oh, just i, I was just a happy 10 year old then <laughs> you really needed to be either a comedy geek or british to know who bill hicks was he in had a much bigger following in england yes bill hicks was a rock star in england bill hicks produced a couple specials for bbc that were played in prime time oh on wow channel, that's impressive you know, for channel an american two comedian channel. The, that was the thing. He became so much bigger there than he ever did here. And I think a lot of that had to do with what he was talking about at the time. He was being very critical of the first Gulf War. Okay. And um, England, of course, they were on our side, but public sentiment was that we shouldn't be helping Kuwait. So he was pretty much pushed to go to Europe. Mainstream media in the United States would never allow someone to be critical of the first Gulf War 
on normal airtime. Right. Like that's something, you know, if, you know, HBO, um, typically they never did like a Bill Hicks HBO special because you had to be huge to be on HBO. The, you're talking about like the full hour. Right. Special. Like the full, uh, like Kevin Hart just came out with a movie yeah. that's in movie yeah. theaters. Eddie Murphy's raw, Eddie Murphy's yes. delirious. Those are those kind of specials. A lot of money, a lot of budget. And then Bill Hicks was more like way down the chute. Like you might be able to see Bill Hicks like in Syracuse. That's the level Bill Hicks was at when he died. Like he had done um, Tonight Show appearances or um, I'm pretty pretty sure he was on Letterman. Yeah, he had done. But, you know, you can be a working comic and get on the Tonight Show. That's not that wasn't necessarily it wasn't like Johnny Carson. Like only the big guys got on Johnny Carson. Like Bill Hicks was uh, so prophetic. So much of what Bill Hicks talked about was um, the illusion of choice that is given to the American people. So much of Bill Hicks was about like corporations using media and using advertising to fool you to fool you into thinking the reality that you are in is actually real like you know you wake up you work you live your life and then you die they that is not reality that is the reality that they feed to you because they want you just to be a consumer they want you just to wake up huh. do exactly what Cotton you do every day machine. and then no wonder they didn't want to promote him it's, <laughs> absolutely well that's the corporate thing, like, america promoting things that that's against them and that's that that, never that's happen. the big thing like um one of the really famous bill hicks bits was is anybody in advertising kill yourself <laughs> and that was you know because he he it's never not a joke that is not, not a joke joking. that is yeah, not a joke it or he's like kill yourself and so much like early bill hicks was uh characters and a lot of personal stories and it wasn't as much uh topical um controversial kind of social commentary it was later bill hicks when he after like he did sane man um, that's when he came back and he was doing a lot of social commentary. That was like 1989. And that's when he was talking about how Bush one was kind of a liar, which kind of, you know, and that's the thing. A lot of the things that Bill Hicks said have now hashed themselves out. Like he was talking about how the government is watching you. And he was talking about that in 1989 or they're tell- how they're selling you on the idea that we're fighting a war. A war has two armies. We only have one army. We're not actually fighting a war. We are going and we are killing people. We're killing individuals. We're not fighting a country. And just that idea that we're going to sell right. people on a war because we want everybody to just get on the bandwagon. We don't want you to think for yourself. And that was a lot of what Bill Hicks was all about, thinking for yourself, making your own decisions. Basically what we always support here. Absolutely. Fair point. Yeah. You know, the mainstream is gonna, always going to be the mainstream. They're always going to follow exactly what they're told to follow. I think that's the that was the biggest crime with Bill Hicks that he wasn't bigger um, in the United States was so much of what he was saying you know twenty years later and we had YouTube if he had a a voice like social media I think it would have been a completely different scenario oh, yeah. for Bill Hicks because uh, you know Bill Hicks was on Howard Stern and back when Howard Stern was like hard to listen to. Yeah. You know, like and, uh, Bill, like when Howard Stern was like, you know, not a mainstream thing. Now Howard Stern is on NBC. South right. Park's come and gone. Right. I mean, it hasn't gone yet, but you know what I mean. Like the, the, the shock of South Park has come and gone. You know, people would have a problem with his jokes about Jesus. And he'd say, well, if you're a Christian, forgive me. And, you know, basically, you know, you know, <laughs> putting that pin in like people that, you know, they say, you know, I know what God wants. I know what God thinks. And, you know, not necessarily following what they're actually saying. And he there's there's a lot of times when he expresses things that make it very clear he's not as as i'm sure some people must have called him at some point or another some godless heathen or something i mean he's made reference to like the light inside of us that i can't remember the exact quotes but you know what i mean like he's made very specific references that he's obviously a, 
in some sense, a spiritual person. You know what I mean? Yeah, Bill, Bill Hicks was raised, I'm pretty sure he was raised Southern Baptist. Oh, okay. From what I've read and from what I've seen, like, in his, you know, he's got, like, uh, some biographical movies out. Um, And it wasn't necessarily that he followed, like, religion. Like, I remember uh, a story that he told about um, Sam Kinison, because Sam Kinison was an, a former preacher. I did not yeah, Sam know Kinison that. Was a, yeah, Sam Kinison was a preacher. Sam Kinison was a... What? Was a the yelling guy. Yes, yeah, it was a preacher. Guy. There's the precedence <laughs> for that. And so a lot and so a lot of like Sam Kinison and Bill Hicks, they all came from this school of it's not about necessarily religion. It's about that feeling like a caveman felt feeling like that, that there was a God looking down on him. That's religion. That's spirituality. Not necessarily organized. You, right. Not necessarily the rules yeah, that right. people tell if you, you and... if you show up and you give us ten percent of your earnings Right. then you're in the club. That's man-made religion. What Bill Hicks was all about was about oh, that we're all part guy. of one consciousness. We're all part of one overreaching, like there is no such thing as death. We are all the imagination of ourselves. We're all made of the same stuff. We're all made of, you know, stardust. We're all made of the same junk. You know, this table, this microphone, you know, all three of us in this room, we're all the, basically only a few molecules apart from being exactly the same stuff. On a, on a physics level, when you get far enough down, there really isn't an actual distinguishing like between separate objects and right. stuff. That is the falsehood of reality. That is the, what Bill Hicks is saying. It's about realizing that we are no different. You can come from a d- different part of the world. You can be a different race. You can be a different religion. We are all, we're no different. All of us are exactly the same. And it, when we can start to laugh at these differences and we can start to laugh at the hypocrisy that these differences create, that's when we can truly be free. I feel like I'm getting really deep talking that's about a comedian. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> well, that, that it comes with that, especially if you got somebody, yeah, he's a deep guy. The best part about Bill Hicks is 90% of his jokes are hilarious. It's not necessarily that he's talking about these really deep, heady things and you're like, you know, having to sit there and be serious about it. He is hysterical. Like, if you watch any of his specials, even now, yes. 30 years it ago. It doesn't seem dated at all. Absolutely. It totally holds he's hysterical. Up. And especially when you think about, like, that back then, you know, there weren't a lot of comics talking about issues. I mean, he he has stuff about gay marriage, which is, like, that's such a huge issue now. Like, granted, it was an issue then, but it wasn't something you saw stand-up comedians and people in the field of entertainment dealing with or even really, you know, saw. If anything, it was the opposite, where the mainstream stand-up comedians. against it. Absolutely. He he seemed to be extremely progressive. Absolutely. I mean, because the 80s, that was the whole, you know, AIDS is out and it's the gay people's fault. And we all know it was the government's fault. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like Andrew Dice Clay or even Eddie Murphy. I mean, can you imagine Eddie Murphy, who was on Saturday Night Live, talking about how he doesn't like gay people? Can you even imagine a comedian now Nowadays, coming out and saying, uh, I don't like gay people? Oh, he would have yeah. been it's, It'd be the kiss so of death for their career. Yeah, say goodbye. I mean, because Eddie Murphy was definitely like, what if a gay guy kisses your girlfriend's lips and then she kisses you and you have AIDS. That was a, that's an actual Eddie Murphy bit that he did on stage. Oh my God. And then he later, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the eighties. But he got his, when he picked up a transvestite and he was caught (laughs) by the police. Oh yeah. I remember hearing about that. Boy was his face red. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, Bill Hicks, when he was really on the cusp of being discovered by a mainstream audience, um, he did an appearance on David Letterman right after Letterman switched to CBS because Letterman was on obviously later at night. At one point, he came on after Le- after uh, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Um, after he switched to CBS, he had Bill Hicks on. 
Um, Bill Hex had been a regular on Letterman. Yeah, like we said earlier, he had made like 11, 12 appearances, something like that. Um, and during this performance, he did a bit about how we wear crosses to signify that we're Christians and how backwards that is. It's almost as if to commemorate JFK, if people wore rifle pendants, <laughs> which is that's f- just yeah. on its face. That's a fu- that's a yeah. funny that's it's a because fu- like Jesus would come on and ba- come back. And that's really probably one of the last things you want to see is the cross <laughs> right. that he was tortured and died on, which is like as we're, we're talking about it, that's not that would be something that you probably would hear in a sitcom. That sounds like something that isn't that necessarily anything worse than you'd see on two and a half men. He's for not example. actually saying anything offensive. about right. Jesus. Precisely. And that bit was edited out. And Bill Hicks was dropped from that appearance. The of, entire bit. Like, not just that little joke, but the entire right. stand-up. But they did later put it on. Yeah, like like almost 20 years later. No, it was he, like 2007 or something. His mom, Bill Hicks' mom, came on the show. And David Letterman apologized, took full responsibility. And they aired, and they aired it. Yeah, they aired the whole thing. Yeah. Well, at least he, he was man enough to admit that. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, it might not have been David Letterman. But yeah, it, it could but have been you don't, the producers. You don't, pin responsibility on somebody else on your own show you take responsibility right. for it that's what you do and yeah i respect that because yeah, ultimately he's making the the big bucks it's his face out front yeah even if yeah. it's a producer in the back you don't be like oh the producers made this decision and right I, you know that even is a bad move for him like right. i don't have control over my own show. right and right. that that just makes you look like you're skirting responsibility exactly and... yeah the, the funny thing is that even exists today this idea that you need to censor that people will not be able to understand what is humor and what is offensive. That exists. Like I did a show in New York City, January of like 2012, and it was Comic Strip Live. It was their lottery show. How this works is you go down, you get a number, and that assigns you to a specific show sometime in the future. So I got a number like six months okay. before. I went down and did the show. And if you are passed, that means that you can come and you can do your jokes on their stage any weekend you can go and you become like a regular right like they let you come out and do it so i went down to this club in the front room of this club are rats there are actual rats walking around street rats like this place has an infestation problem oh my god i i'm like to the bartender i'm like there's rats on the floor and they're like yeah it's just really cold outside so they come in and so there's no rats they're three part of me. feet away from handfuls of nachos that they're pulling out and getting for and then, people. And then <laughs> he felt bad, and he's like, well, I mean, don't kick them out into the cold. Right, exactly. Well, and, are they going to buy drinks? Like, they didn't right. buy tickets. <laughs> right, and when you were saying that there were street rats, before you said they had an infestation problem, I was, part of me was thinking, like, so, like, is Aladdin just, like, in there stealing bread? Like, like <laughs> just a bunch of street rats, just, just little right, hoodlums yeah, coming. Yeah, exactly. I wish it were, I wish it were something that whimsical as, as a man with acrobatic, a monkey hat on his shoulder. Right, exactly. But, no, just. We just uh, got parkour for that. Just rodents that are pooping everywhere and probably <laughs> peeing. It can't be romanticized at all. Exactly. So, then the show starts, okay? So Did the rats stay for the show? The rat, I don't, I'm not sure. I think they stayed in the front room. I'm pretty positive. <laughs> One of them was heckling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. But, you know, they only squeak, so it's, it, the sound system was good enough. It got over that. So I go in and I do my bits, and I do very well. You're, you're allowed on for five minutes, and then they play music and they like play you off kind of thing. And I did, very, but I didn't like Wrap it eat up. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, you know, it wasn't like the Academy Awards. Like I had, like I had a really good set. <laughs> 
And the owner of the club, he's on this dais of judges that judges the performance. Because immediately after you're done with your set, they go to the judgments. So the first guy was like, yeah, not bad. The second guy was like, yeah, not bad. The third guy, oh, I didn't really like it. So now it comes to the owner of the show. And he's like, I had a problem with that joke you told about Jesus. I do a, a joke that says, um, Jesus Christ didn't do a lot of things he would have been amazing at. Like the electric guitar or <laughs> water skiing. Like he would have been incredible at water skiing. Like he, you know, he, he falls. Need... You don't even need to turn the boat around. He just comes jogging up behind <laughs> yeah. you with the skis on he his shoulder. He doesn't even need skis. Exactly. Exactly. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, oh, I don't have a life jacket. Jesus is like, here you go. You can have mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save you. And so, like, I do that bit. And then, like I say, you know, Jesus um, never tried breakdancing. He would have been unbelievable at it. He's got those 12 guys that could surround him. <laughs> Go, Savior! Go, Savior! You know, they're all jumping around. It's your birthday! Merry Christmas! Go, Savior! So that's the bit. That's not really that. I mean, it's not... I don't find it to be controversial at all. No. This guy was like, well, you're making fun of Jesus. And, uh, Look past it. That's it. exactly what I said. I'm <laughs> saying Jesus is great. I'm saying he would have been a great breakdancer. So the audience votes with applause. And of course, the only way someone from that perspective can look at that is like, yeah, because it's ironic because you're saying, oh, Jesus, we can make jokes about Morgan Freeman. It doesn't mean we don't like Morgan Freeman. He's the right. fucking shit. Morgan yeah. Freeman rocks. I Who doesn't Morgan like Morgan Freeman? Freeman? Seriously. Exactly. Somebody right now is listening to this going, did they really just compare Jesus to Morgan Freeman? <laughs> I'm typing up a letter. Please do go to Facebook.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. We need that feedback. Let us know how fucked up we are for comparing Jesus to Morgan <laughs> he Freeman. He was the voice it, of God. <laughs> Morgan Freeman, Wait, who, yeah. Morgan Freeman or Jesus? Yeah, Morgan, Morgan Freeman well, was, and Bruce Almighty. If he could play God, he could certainly pro- be compared to his own son. The key rating is probably comparable. <laughs> Jesus and Morgan Freeman. In, in, ter- in terms of what people love, like if I hear Morgan Freeman's voice, I'm stopping. I don't care what I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. he, could be narrating, could he could be narrating, like, you know, like it, that one line he does, we are the kings of all creation. <laughs> we were on the roof drinking beers. It could have been one of our own houses we were doing the roof on. It's like and when I hear that, like I'm transported back there. It's like, damn it, Morgan Freeman, I love you so much. But anyway, so this, this club owner is like, you know, I have a problem. I win the competition. The audience votes for me. And the guy's like, no, I want the girl instead. Are you fucking kidding me? What a yeah. dick. So he took it away from me. But that, but that's pervasive even today. Like that idea that you can't make a joke about certain things. I mean, like, I would have looked at him and been like, you know what? I bet the rats would have kept me. Exactly. That's, <laughs> and that, I guess that's my whole point. It's like you're fine with rats being two feet from your nachos that you're handing out with an ungloved hand. But you can't call Jesus a good breakdancer. Right. You can't call Jesus a good breakdancer. That's mocking him Just apparently. Right. Isn't cleanliness <laughs> next to godliness? I've heard that before. And your place has a rat infestation in your front room. There's yeah. pee and rat poop everywhere. It's so anyway, all about atmosphere. Come on. Exactly. Now. Exactly. <laughs> the problem with comedy clubs is the $9 quesadillas. I think that's really the main thing. Yeesh, that's like ballpark extortion. Oh, absolutely. Comedy clubs, it's all about extortion. So how do you, like, how do you know? Bill well, Hicks? I was pretty much a comedy nerd all through high school. I loved all kinds of stand-up comedy. I was like, I had an appetite for it. Any, any kind of special that you could rent. When there were still video stores, you could rent yes. the comedy specials. I would rent the 10 for 10 at Emerald City Video in East Syracuse. The 10 I for 10 videos. Video stores. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I miss them so much. Fun. 
just you could just watch stand up comedy for you know before Netflix before you know you could get this stuff just beamed right. to you yeah. like that's basically what I did and I just watched like ridiculous amounts of hours of stand up comedy so I came across Bill Hicks and it was somebody that he was really big on like Usenet sites like uh, like stand up comedy Usenet, Usenet sites Usenet who would have thought that Usenet would be brought up in two episodes in a row too Jesus <laughs> right is, is it 2013 still I know well that's the thing like the the, the great check your watch is it 2013 but yeah so I'm on uh, Usenet I see this, you know a lot of these guys are basically talking about Bill Hicks they're canonizing him essentially and they're saying how you know unbelievable and you know he's just hysterical so I started looking into his specials most of which were not available in the United States it was just you know it was in a time period where you know media was it was very hard to get your hands on anything that wasn't available through on network television or in cable or something like that yeah I remember the early 90s so um when then I got a hold of Bill Hicks and it was a uh, uh, rant in E minor and he basically goes on this diatribe about Jay Leno and how no, I haven't heard Rants in E minor yet that that's an entire album that's set to music right yes that he, one of the first well I mean I don't know if he was the first but one of the stand up comics that he played uh, music and he would like it would kind of like come in and out with music he was almost like a jazz musician like he, not necessarily in improv, like he would be improving on stage. The music would kind of flow into it. Like it was all, it was a, more of an art expression. He goes on and on about Jay Leno because Jay Leno did a Doritos commercial in the uh, late '80s, early '90s, and Jay Leno has more money than God. There's no reason he needs to be doing Doritos <laughs> <Right>. commercials. <laughs> and basically, you know, you're off the artistic roll call once you do advertising. If you are going to lower yourself <laughs> to do advertising, then you're you're out. And that he talks about how Jay Leno made a deal with the devil, and that's how he got his fame, and that's how he has the. But that's how I got introduced to Bill Hicks. Basically, it was his hatred of all things Leno. <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily Leno; it's just all things uh, corporate advertising. It's horrible. It poisons your mind. I was mostly introduced to him through the Tool song "Third Eye." That's how I was like, "Who is this guy?" It's clearly. A lot of my friends are just like, what do you mean? It's part of the song. And I'm like, that it was comes a... from somewhere, guys. Like, God, I had stupid friends. Well, that was kind of <laughs> like the boat that I was in because I, I knew that song. And it wasn't that. I was just like, oh, it's part of the song. They made it for the song. I really wasn't interested enough to like go deeper okay. into like finding See, who it is at the time. I hear stuff in music like that, I get really interested, especially if it's a sample from a movie or something. That's what I'd be like. Is this a movie? It sounds like it's a stand-up comedian. I knew it. Like, I'm like, that's what it sounds like it is. And like... But who is the stand-up comedian that talks about shit like this? And there were certain Carrot parts Top, where, right? <laughs> this is rivaling Carrot Top levels of like social consciousness. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I was introduced to him because, of course, he's in the sample of that song, Third Eye, the last track of... Uh, Enema? Enema? Not Enema. It's not Enema. <laughs> it's Enema. Um, well, it's like the A and the E are kind of like one letter. That album's... It's actually dedicated to Bill Hicks as our... The whole album is? Yeah, there's a Radiohead album dedicated to Bill Hicks, too. Okay, computer. One. No, it's not no, probably okay not. Computer. The title song, Anima, is actually based on his Arizona Bay concept, I guess, from uh, Ranson E Minor. Yeah, like, and because a lot of what, like, I, I'm pretty sure Bill Hicks actually went on tour with yeah. Tool and opened some shows. Because that's the thing, he was like a rock and roll act. Yeah, he opened for them for a while. So he was an actual rock and roll act, or it was like 
Kind of like a Lollapalooza no, thing. Like where, a rock. Oh, he like, like okay. Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he just comes on and there's Not, Peter Frampton he, just. Right. <laughs> he was comma like comma a rock and roll. Actor. I missed the like part. Like I missed it. He didn't like run on stage like with pyrotechnics or anything. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't anything like that. It was um, more like in Lollapalooza '92. He actually asked everybody when he came on stage. He was like, "This this whole crowd's moshing," and he's like, "I think I lost a contact lens. Can can you guys help me look for it?" And everybody like stops moshing. So it's like a at the ground trying to help this dude find his contact lens hilarious i'm pretty sure he also opened like an adult video award youtube really bad oh the woodies yes something it it was the porn awards really he he did like a came on they should have the cinema snob do the next one yeah definitely he's he's reviewed enough porn and it's not like the porn (laughs) awards are so high profile that they can't go to internet celebrities come on it's the porn awards all the contestants are internet celebrities. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Of course, he. Uh, like I said, we would be back to this uh, this whole topic of stealing material. Uh, Dennis Leary was accused of stealing from Bill Hicks, uh, and that that breaks my heart. More than accused, he clearly did. Yeah, I read. I even read about someone. I don't know, some manager or something on this tour was like, when he came off stage, she's like, "You know, those are Bill Hicks jokes, right?" Bill Hicks' and, whole persona. And he just, I guess, supposedly stopped. He just stared at her and, like, didn't say anything and then just kind of walked away. Bill Hicks, I guess, was okay with it up until he recorded No Cure for Cancer, which was pretty much just an album of stolen Bill Hicks material that he's now selling in stores and making money off of, and he was pretty furious. And I guess their friendship kind of ended. Yeah, if I, if I, if I was just kind of stealing your shit and releasing it and making money well, off it. I mean, it. that is pretty much what this podcast yeah. is. Let's be, let's be straight, okay. Craig. Let's, <laughs> let's not mince words here. Always stealing your shit. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. <laughs> I think the b- biggest issue with Leary was not that he took jokes, because sometimes that'll happen. Sometimes you'll have parallel thinking, and sometimes jokes will be similar. But basically... Bill Hicks would come out and he would smoke on stage and he would talk about how much he enjoys smoking. He would criticize the drug war. You know, he he was just, he was anti-establishment. Then Dennis Leary comes out, essentially mimics his mannerisms, the tenor of his jokes, you know, and then that is almost what's, if, if only he had lifted a couple lines so was that like a Bill Hicks thing when he was like, I would still buy cigarettes even if they had skull and crossbones on them and they marked them cancer sticks? And Right. Bill Hicks did a bit about something very similar to that. He said, you know, um, you go to the store and they have like all the different warnings on cigarettes. Yeah, surgeon. And some, some of the warnings, warning. some of the warnings are like, uh, you know, you're going to get lung cancer. But a couple of the warnings are like, you're going to have low birth weight. And he goes, well, I found my brand. <laughs> Give me a couple of those low birth weights. What do I care? I'm already born. <laughs> Which, that's, you know, that's and that's the thing that yeah. that bit is that bit is way funnier than anything. Dennis Leary came Right. Up with. Right. But it's like he stole Bill Hicks's. All Dennis Leary did was get angry and said, nom, 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 nom. I love cancer sticks. Yeah, exactly. He was, he was probably OK with it at first because, I mean, they were friends. It was probably flattering to him, like a big brother type thing. Like, he was oh, like, yeah, I'm still better. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if as a comic you're ever flattered when someone is stealing your your gig. Well, because I, I read that he was cool with it. At you know, at some point, it was just like whatever. Right. Yeah. Like I mean, before Dennis Leary became like this huge, you know, he's on yeah. MTV and he's talking to Richard Gere and yeah. hey, Richard, I'm gonna playing <laughs> hockey with the Bruins. Yeah, yeah exactly. Was, that was the final straw. Was when he recorded it to an album. Right. And it's like, look, dude, kind of acting like me and you know, kind of borrowing my jokes is one thing. Like. 
recording it to an album and like like when I go home and find out that you have a uh, podcast called That's Fair. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, hey, how's it going? We are this no is longer my friend friends. Chris doesn't sound anything like Craig. <laughs> And he doesn't know anything either. It's <laughs> just the shit I'm talking oh, about. Sorry about that. Uh, I, sorry, I was just getting in the moment. I have a couple funny quotes from Bill Hicks about the whole Dennis Leary thing. He said once to somebody, some news reporter or someone from some TV show, he's like, yeah, I have a scoop for you. I stole his act. I camouflaged it with punchlines. And to really throw people off, I did it before he did. Which is great. <laughs> And then also, when, when uh, somebody once asked him why he quit smoking cigarettes, he replied, I just wanted to see if Dennis would, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which, obviously, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, in 2004, there was this play called Bill Hicks' Slight Return. Have you heard of this? I have not. I guess some guy. It's, it's in England. I, I make Go sense figure. now that you told me that he has a huge following over there. This guy named... Chaz Early uh, plays Bill Hicks. I think I heard it was a one-man play. I might be wrong. But he plays him in the pictures. He's got, like, angel wings and everything. And it's about him coming back ten years after his death and, you know, commenting and, you know, what he thinks of the world now. So that's interesting. Uh, I don't know how that relates to Dennis Leary stealing his act. And if this guy is just stealing it, but at least he's giving him credit and he's playing. I mean, as a British man playing an American comedian, I don't don't see it so much as... Well, also, you got to wonder if maybe, you know, he's saying this is what... Bill Hicks would be saying about the world now and his social commentary, but at the same time, he's no Bill Hicks. But it's cool. But it's it's definitely like an homage, yeah. The pictures you see, you can tell it's not him, but it's pretty cool to see this guy with a cigarette and the angel wings looking like it's Bill Hicks standing there in a suit of white. And I, just... The thing with Bill Hicks, I think, because like, I mean, we won't, don't know what Bill Hicks, his reaction would have been after 9-11, because essentially 9-11 changed the world that we live in. I was a freshman in college when it happened. Mm-hmm. And it's like Bill Hicks had already been dead for seven years at that point. Right. And it's like, I didn't have a Bill Hicks album to put on to listen to what Bill yeah. Hicks thought about, you know, all this. And he would have been able to say so much more now. I mean, even Jim Brewer talks about fucking 9-11 on a stand-up. The, the atmosphere is different as far as what's considered acceptable to joke about. And... Right, exactly. Yeah. And... I think South Park revolutionized that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give credit where credit's due. <laughs> yeah. I think Bill Hicks would have loved South Park. South Park is essentially, you know, it's, it doesn't care what advertisers think. It puts things on that they want to say. You know, play from your heart. That's one of the one of the best Bill Hicks bits that it's these also guys one, on It's the also radio. one of the loudest Bill Hicks bits. Yeah, absolutely. We yeah. Pr- you probably couldn't play it. It would probably redline all of your equipment. Yeah. But it's like, uh, you know, play from your heart. I'm so sick of hearing these mediocre bands, you know, the Justin Timberlakes of the world. Although Justin Timberlake is, you know. He's at least a talented. Yeah, back then he was talking about what uh, MC Hammer. Yeah, MC Hammer and Ashley, the New Kids on the Block. Or, on the block. Yeah. Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice, Ice yep. was an ex- that's an excellent example. He's, he's talking about all of them. And it's just like you know, play from your heart. Even if it, you're not good, at least do it from like a real place. And that's the thing. There's no there's no reality anymore. Like we have reality television that's completely scripted. <laughs> yeah, you know, can, like can you Duck ask? Dynasty is a sitcom. It's a sitcom, people. Like people are like, oh, I love that show. The, I never thought about it that way. That I mean, these are real people that run the real stuff in their day to day operations, but it's completely scripted it's, as to no, what happens. Not, that's what it is. Is it's unscripted. It's not scripted, but it's not real. It's unscripted television. Right. It's well, improv TV. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not by any means reality television. 
but like they they set up certain things that yeah. happen in the episode. Just, like it was the only reason I was correcting you on that because I was literally wavelengthing. Like I was about to be like, it's unscripted television. Then and, then and you I just said, said scripted, scripted, and I'm like, well, I can't say my point like, now. If they, I don't they, have, <laughs> they have plot points and everything in the show and what's going to happen, and they just let them go at it. It's it's just weird to think like that's what you consider reality. Maybe it's because reality would just be way too boring. The television that we have, because basically everything is a skewing reality. Everything right now, all media is basically telling you don't pay attention to what's really happening. Like what's really happening. The government's watching you. There's drones flying somewhere right now in the world and they could or could not kill somebody and they have our name on it. Like, you know, the United States is outright, you know, all this stuff is happening. Don't pay attention to that. What's the name of Kim and Kanye's baby? That's what's important, you know. Oh, that'd be Northwest. Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, people can name the name of Kim and Kanye's baby. They couldn't name. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's north. north. But I'm so happy that you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, I was like, too up until about a minute. Ago. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's exactly you know he was telling he was saying what was going to happen before they you know, because I think the thing is especially with like 9/11 there's no way we could have conceptualized 9/11 before it happened because it just takes right. a special kind of sick to think oh we're going to fly these planes and we're going to take down these buildings you know they probably didn't even know how successful it was going to be when they planned. They were like, you know, we'll probably cause a lot of damage and that'll be it. But, you know, they changed the course of global history with this act. And there's no way you could have ever conceptualized that in well, 1994 also, when Bill Hicks was Yeah, alive. in America, it was like, at that point, the only people that really knew what it was like to actually have an, have an attack on their soil were World War II veterans. Right. So you got majority of the population in America is attack. just like... And to yeah. be fair, soil, I don't really count Hawaii as my home base. You know what I mean? Like, Hawaii, to, <laughs> Hawaii could basically be, like, on another planet. It, you know, what I mean? it takes two days to get there on an airplane. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, that's do, we, do we say the Craig, same about Alaska? Craig, can you do me a favor and go to our email and just mark any emails coming in from Hawaii as spam? We're about to <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm not saying they're ordinary. not our friend. I'm not saying they're not <laughs> no, with us. They're definitely a state. Like what I was what I was saying is everybody had this, you know, they were all secure that they were safe at home. Basically, the only people they had to worry about were like muggers, killers. And when you think about it, they should be worrying about a lot. But and that was and that was a, a falsehood that was sold to us. We are safe. We are surrounded by oceans. Nothing can ever happen to us. How are they going to get us? We, we, we're, we're the greatest, strongest country in the world. Go back to sleep, America. We're we're protecting you. We don't need you to be afraid. Are we like number yeah. three here's, now? Here's, here's we'll we'll let American you know. Gladiators. We'll let you know when. We <laughs> By the way, th- none of these are my. These this is all Bill Hicks. This is the, I'm I'm not purporting that any of these are my personal. Like this is not my like thinking. This is all this is all borrowed from Bill Hicks. He was saying all this stuff twenty years ago, and it's like you know th- that's the thing. Like I don't think you could say that about Louis C.K. I don't think you're gonna say Louis C.K. And listen to a bit Louis C.K. does about 9-11 or Louis C.K. does about, you know, how he stole a rental car from the airport or whatever the hell he's talking about now. And it's like Louis (laughs) C.K. in 20, they're not going to look back and go, wow, Louis C.K. really said some really powerful things about 9-11. Or Louis C.K., you know, did you hear that thing that he talked about racism? And he talked, or he talked about how his, his little girls, you know. They don't like the taste of bubblegum medicine and oh, you know, fuck you. You don't like the taste of bubblegum medicine. Like that's a real like sophomoric take. On, you know, how American children are, they have no concept of how lucky they are. Like, that yeah. to me, like, Bill Hicks would could do, like, an entire special about how America is so decadent that we will put 
entertainment news on for half an hour, just about celebrities for half an hour at five o'clock. It's called Dish Nation. I'm pretty sure. And and it's like every time it's on, I have to like jump to the television because I want to have to turn it off. (laughs) It's like, oh, God, it was right after Judge Mathis. So it's like, you know, I'm like enjoying Judge Mathis. And all of a sudden Dish Nation comes on. They're like, oh, Haley Berry. And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. And and now we I mean, people that don't have Dish, we have to fight with uh, Entertainment Tonight. You got to fight with TMZ that. Yeah. And that's just all out. And. It's, and it's, it's kinda... all about look. Look. Look at all this other stuff that's that's happening, America. This is what's important. It's important what these celebrities are doing. It's all just uh, you know shell game. That's the problem I think with a lot of comics now. None of them are pointing to those things. Like there's no there's no Bill Hicks right now. Yeah, I can't think of one. I, I was sitting here waiting. I was like, Nathan, Nathan, call him out. <laughs> Prove him I mean, wrong. You can, there's there's definitely <laughs> activist stand up comics. But they're not. They're not as funny as Bill yeah, Hicks. Honestly, I can't think of anybody else in Bill Hicks' league other than George Carlin right now. Like, there's a comic, uh, Ted Alexandro. He's really funny, and he's also an activist. But his comedy isn't necessarily part of his activism. Okay, yeah, right. It's separate. Right. Like he's an activist that's also a stand-up comic, yeah, which is which is fine. Like which we is, said earlier, you you don't have to be right. Ex- exactly. I'm not. I'm not trying to. Be, but you know, a lot Ted Alexandro is, yeah. is hysterical, and I you know he's one of the ones that I you know I love him. Like Dave, like Dave Chappelle is one of those comics that everybody loves Dave Chappelle because they've seen the Chappelle Show. Yeah. Right. Um. But you know he hasn't done a special since you know 2000. Well, he's block party. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. He went to Africa. He wasn't he back? Well, now? He's ba- yeah, he's back. He's I, he's I, back. Yeah, yeah he's I know. Back. But I mean, he's like he doesn't want to be part of. He's the off world. the grid. Like, right. There and was it, a reason he left. Right. And it's only if it's like I wish Dave Chappelle instead and, of just frig like wigging out when he saw you know the curtain moved and like he saw that Oz was the corporations that are you know running everything you know instead of wigging out and going to africa i wish he wrote like a great hour a great yeah about it. yeah <laughs> some know? people yeah. deal with it by bringing it to the forefront and some people deal with it by backing away backing out of it and most of the people that back out of it you never even hear about them because they never get to that point and they're just like fuck this but yeah the great the great ones like bill hicks and at least we got to see some dave Chappelle. yeah well that's pretty much bringing a close to the episode uh we've we've been talking for a while now Brandon, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. <laughs> Had a great time. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for coming out. Oh, thanks. I it was the pleasure was all mine. This was great. I love talking about Bill Hicks. You know, we one day we're sitting here thinking we're going to be doing Ma- Meredith Baxter Bernie. Next thing you know, this man's crashing through our window, and now you know he's ma- he's helped us make a terrific podcast. I'm really happy that of all the secret rooms that I had scouted out and was going to break into. I'm very happy that this was the one that I picked. <laughs> <laughs> thank well, you. We're very yes. happy you chose it too. Uh, you're, we say this to all the guests, but you're welcome back anytime. Of course, man, we'd, we'd love to have you on another episode, but it has to be at least four weeks after we already had a guest. Yes. Cause we got to keep that pattern up. I'm going to make sure no one else is a guest on this show other than me. <laughs> Every four weeks, he's going to break that weeks. glass again. Well, good, because I was going to, if, if we didn't have another guest after the four episode rotation, I was going to say I jinxed it by mentioning it on air but now i can blame it on brandon absolutely <laughs> if someone falls through you know why it's because i have destroyed their vehicle they have no way to get they've here. actually fallen through a trap door exactly <laughs> as always please check us out on facebook we need that like we need your support we need your feedback we, we need to know what you want yes we need to know you have to communicate with us if this relationship is going to work yeah because oh. communication is key to any healthy relationship, I should know I've been seeing a therapist for months now, and that's all he keeps beating into me. 
Literally. Literally. Yes. He he had a that relationship. He had a board that was that just had the word communication on it, and he was just beating me with it. Actually, come to think of it, I don't think he was a therapist. <laughs> now he kind of looked a lot like you, Brandon. No comment. This is about your personal life. Man, now all that money down the drain. I don't think it's necessarily down the drain. Well, yeah, it's in your pockets. Well, it's, <laughs> but I'm it's doing a lot of good for me. It's not down the drain. So and all I, just, all I have to show for it are bruises. No, I think we we grew a lot in our sessions. Do, do you even have an actual doctorate? Well, I know where there are doctors. I don't know if I have a doctorate. Is that the same thing? I don't. I mean, I could probably point you to people that have doctorates that I know. <laughs> Close enough. Okay, whatever. So we're on for next Tuesday. Yes, I'm on every Tuesday. If you're there or not, I'm hitting somebody. <laughs> and I thought I was special. So, yeah, Facebook.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. Craig, what's our YouTube channel? Uh, our YouTube channel would be YouTube.com backslash Fairpoint Podcast. I think you should see a pattern here. And, Craig, what's his YouTube channel? It's the Syracuse Avengers or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's YouTube.com backslash Syracuse Renegades check out all this stuff or you could just search brandon dyer that's me that that's him and that is of course the syracuse renegades the syracuse renegades the only ones thank you guys for listening thanks again for stand-up comedian and cold wet sticky dragon brandon dyer (laughs) for stopping by in closing we just want to leave you with uh a great quote from bill hicks it's a great bill hicks quote and i think i think he would appreciate us spreading his word and uh yeah we're, we're not we're not dennis leering it <laughs> leering <laughs> leering leering it no i like dennis leering <laughs> the world is like a ride at an amusement park and when you choose to go on it you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds are and the ride goes up and down and round and round it has thrills and chills and it's very brightly colored and it's very loud and it's fun for a while Some people have been on the ride for a long time, and they begin to question, is this real or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered, and they come back to us, and they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. And we kill those people. (laughs) Ha ha ha, shut them up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account and my family. This just has to be real. But it's just a ride. And we always kill those good guys who try to tell us that. You ever notice that? And they let the demons run amok? Jesus, murdered. Martin Luther King, murdered. Malcolm X, murdered. Gandhi, murdered. John Lennon, murdered. Reagan, wounded. (laughs) But it doesn't matter because it's just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. A choice. Right now, between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your doors, buy guns, close yourself off. The eyes of love instead see us all as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now to a better ride. Take all that money that we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it on feeding and clothing and educating the poor of the world, which it would many times over, not one human being excluded. And we could explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace. Uh, I can never start the slow clap. Nobody ever <laughs> joins in. Rest in peace to Bill Hicks. Great big bag of win.
Thank you for listening, guys. Apparently, there is also a Bill Hicks bio, uh, biopic. I always want to say biopic because it just—I don't know. Because then you just but, get into the biopsy. Yeah, that, that sounds like a medical <laughs> procedure. But uh, can we get the biopic? biopic. <laughs> there's a biopic in the works. Um, Russell Crowe. He knows. Uh, he's producing it, and apparently was also interested in the lead role for a minute there. Which is like, come on, is there anyone Russell Crowe can't play? Fuck casting Russell Crowe as everyone imaginable. He's not Bill Hicks. Right back to Russell Crowe. He's not Bill Hicks.